Hey everybody, welcome to the Mench Warmers. I'm Gabe, that's Jamie, this is episode two. Thanks for coming back and listening to our first episode. Got some great feedback and we want to say thank you to all who listened. We're now available on uh, SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. Feel free to subscribe and smash that like button. Wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Uh, Quick question. Sure. Do you know anyone who uses Stitcher? Uh, I don't know what it is. I thought it was the shoe company. Is that Skechers? That's Skechers. Uh, I don't know what Stitcher is, but I get my podcast from an app called Podkicker, which I've never heard of anyone else using, and I have no idea how I started using it. Right. I think if you asked me to name five podcast apps, I don't think I could. Um, yeah, I don't know. Open Pod? I, I think the first time I ever listened to a podcast was just like on a website link. Yeah. Like before there was even... Uh, uh, SoundCloud or something like that. It was just like a link to a QuickTime that opened a new browser. <laughs> and, and I don't even remember if I knew how to download them to uh, my, my iPod at the time. Right. Well, that's why they're called podcasts and not radio on demand. That's right. They really, you know, that's Steve Jobs. He knew his branding. Anyways, wherever you get your podcasts, uh, please feel free to, or please do subscribe to Menchwarmers yep. and uh, all the podcasts on the CJN podcast feed. That's right. Uh, our producer, Alex, hosts his own podcast about the Jewish news, and uh, we love to have him on board, and we love to be part of the network. Well, let's get to it, Gabe. Uh, some news to go over in the Jewish sports world. It's the second week of the baseball season, and there's already been some significant news. Uh, last week, we were talking about young Toronto Blue Jays prospect, Rowdy Telez, who is Our beefy boy chick. Our beefy boy chick himself. Uh, Six foot four, 265 pounds. Yeah, a real bouncing ball of uh, schmaltz there. <laughs> and uh, as we said last week, he was blocked from coming up to the Blue Jays because of the presence of Justin Smoke, the first baseman, and Kendris Morales, the DH. But uh, a little miracle happened here, and Kendris Morales was traded on the eve of the opening day to the Oakland A's, and Rowdy Telez was called up and started the first game of the year as DH. Oh, yeah, and he's off to a pretty good start and hitting lots of home runs, giving big shouts and uh, showing what that Semitic body can do. That's right. Uh, but uh, sunrise, sunset, as they say. Apparently, there can only be one on the team <laughs> because yesterday, Kevin Pillar, a longtime Toronto Blue Jay, in fact, the longest tenured Toronto Blue Jay, That's right. uh, was traded to the San Francisco Giants for... Three warm bodies, as I understand. And he's uh, quite an amazing story. Didn't play at a big college, wasn't a big high school prospect, got drafted in the 33rd round of the Major League Draft. Wow. And then uh, kind of hacked and slashed his way all the way up uh, with his hitting and then became a Gold Glove finalist several times. He's uh, notable for, they called him Superman, they called him Spider-Man. He's done all kinds of, or I guess in his case, we should call him Superman. That's right. And uh, Pilar was someone who had, who's always had a reputation as a grinder. Uh, as you said, never projected as the biggest prospect, but he was someone who really hustled, uh, was able to sort of refine his game to the, to the level that he could play in the major leagues, playing high-level uh, defense in center field. Key, key part of the uh, 2015 and 2016 Toronto Blue Jays runs to the ALCS. Certainly would have made, wouldn't have made it as far as we did without him. Huge part of those teams. Uh, you know, wish him Big all the success. Big fan favorite, too. Absolutely. Uh, when Kevin Pillar was traded, someone from Toronto that I'm friends with on Facebook said that he was sitting Shiva for the week. So, yeah. you know, definitely someone who, who reached out to the Jewish community in Toronto and the Jewish community really responded back. We're not going to read the Kaddish here, but we understand the feeling. Um, whenever the lo a local Jewish community loses a hero, it's not so great. 
and we wish him well. I mean, he's off to join San Francisco. Uh, San Francisco obviously has a large Jewish population uh, and certainly lots of Jews in tech out there. Yeah, there's a, apparently in the Bay Area, according to the San Francisco uh, Jewish Community's website, uh, there's about 175,000 Jews in the Bay Area, fourth largest uh, Jewish area in the, in the state. Wow, that's great. Or in the uh, country. Um, probably the second largest in the state behind Los Angeles, which is where uh, Kevin Pillar hails from. Back sure. to his home state. Tried to find uh, some Jewish uh, sporting legends from the San Francisco Giants okay. or the New York Giants. Uh, it came up empty. Okay. Could not find anyone, but they do host a Jewish Heritage Night hosted by the AE Pi fraternity. Oh, that's very nice. Uh, hopefully they continue doing that and maybe Pilar can be a part of that. Yeah. Uh, and, and go on to join the the legends of San Francisco Jewry up with uh, Levi Strauss. That's right. The biggest Jew to hit the Bay Area since Levi Strauss. Well, let's hope so. Uh, we wish them all the luck in uh, San Francisco. Lots of muzzle as they try and <laughs> rebuild their team out in the Bay. And uh, I hope he can be a part of that. He certainly is good an outfielder as they have now. Yep. And uh, and let's hope he's a fan favorite from them like he is too. A lot of highlights follow him. And uh, he'll find a congregation too. For now in the local sporting scene, uh, we'll be following Rowdy Telez and hopefully providing you updates. He's already hit two home runs this year. Yep. Uh, including a big three-run shot on Saturday. Uh, and and uh, Rowdy, if you're listening, we'd love to have you on sometime. That's right. Um, it's interesting to talk about Jewish Heritage Night. There's a couple of stories uh, in the past, specifically uh, Florida Marlins hosted a Jewish Heritage Night uh, maybe 10 years ago, made T-shirts with the name and number and the whole jersey thing, the face sure. on the front of their first baseman, Mike Jacobs. Uh, problem is they did not ask him if he was Jewish. Yeah, that's a bit of a problem. I mean, it's one thing to celebrate Jewish heritage. It's another thing to celebrate someone's non-existent Jewish heritage. He was also not Jewish at the time. Yeah. Or now. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, it's nice to see they reach out. And it's, it's an interesting topic because lots of cities, that, you know, I think have lots of Jewish sports fans. Yep. Uh, and they're often very public. Mm -hmm. uh, Jews wearing kippahs, I think, are a very visible part of most baseball games, basketball games, things like that. Absolutely. Uh, it's nice to see the teams try to reach out to their community and celebrate heritage. Yeah. Uh, Maybe with a little more tack than, than the Marlins did in that time that you're describing. <laughs> I've uh, Well, I've been to the Pittsburgh Pirates Jewish Heritage Night. You know, a big uh, Jewish community in Pittsburgh when Ike Davis, uh, former Pittsburgh Pirates Jewish first baseman, sure. used to get a muzzle tov from the, uh, the commentator whenever we would hit a homer. Right. You know, my dad is from Pittsburgh. No way. Uh, a part of the part Pittsburgh Jewish community. A former part of the Pittsburgh Jewish community. He hasn't lived there in 30-odd years, but uh, still has ties to the Pittsburgh Jewish community. There were a lot of uh, pirates. Yamakas going on and the Pittsburgh Pirates hats with a little Megan David on the side. It was it was quite nice. That's nice. I mean, I, I think that there's a way to do it that's sort of uh, not necessarily reverential, but uh, celebratory. And there's probably a way to do it that's probably a little anti-Semitic. Um, we've talked about this briefly, and I think we're going to talk about it more in f future episodes, but... There in in English soccer and other European soccer, there is a tradition of sort of celebrating the area's Jew Jewish culture in a way that is less uh, embracing of the spirit of Judaism and more just sort of using using Judaism as a prop. That's absolutely right. Um, it's a it's a big issue, uh, specifically with the Tottenham Hotspurs uh, or Tottenham Hotspur, I should say. The Spurs is a, the colloquialism. Yeah, that's I right. Understand. But they uh, they call their fans the Yids. And a lot of Jews aren't happy about that. But that's uh, that's to come on this season of the Mentormers. That's right. And, you know, it's great that teams celebrate uh, different heritage and diverse cultures. Uh, lots of teams have uh, pride nights, but, you know, there aren't a lot of gay athletes right now. So it's interesting that they're doing these things. Or there, there are gay athletes, just not publicly so. 
Right. And there are probably some Jewish athletes who are not so publicly public about their Judaism. Anyways, it's nice to have Heritage Nights. So It'd be even nicer if it was a more, more inclusive sports world. That raises an interesting question. If a team has Jewish, Her- Jewish Heritage Night, chooses to involve a player, in Mike Jacobs' case, they did it without confirming he was Jewish, but do you think it's the player's responsibility to participate and uh, kind of show off their minority status? I think it's up to them. I, I, I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's nice to have pride in who you are, but I think a lot of people from different backgrounds feel like they don't have. They shouldn't have to be responsible for all of those people, or for being the first to do something. And they uh-huh. just want to be a human being and be be able to do whatever it is they're doing, including playing yep. sports. Uh, so, well, yeah. a lot of Jewish athletes have said, as I, uh, you know, it happens all over the time, but it's especially true of when they play in New York that even if they're Jewish, it's not really up to them to hide their Judaism. Somebody finds out, and they got a lot of fans right away, sure, and a lot of haters right away, sure. And you know, that's something that. Uh, We've seen in the past, uh, we have a uh, complaint or a comment from, from one of our listeners uh, that when we were talking about... Small Jew- uh, corrections corner. Small corrections corner. Uh, when we were talking about uh, Jewish New Yorker... Uh, athletes. Athletes. We failed to talk about Amari Stoudemire. We forgot Amari Stoudemire. And, uh, you know, shout out to Amari. Uh, as he said, I believe his mother was a Hebrew or, or the children of Hebrews. Uh, but on point... Israeli basketball superstar, Amari Stoudemire. And... It wasn't really until he went to New York that he identified as a Jew. That's and right. I, I think that's something we've seen in other, other athletes as well, that it's like, you know, if they're in uh, Utah or Arizona or wherever the hell they've never seen a Jew, uh, there's, not a lot of, there's not a lot of need to self-identify and say, hey, guys, I'm Jewish, I'm different. But once you're right. in New York, it really means something, and there's, you know, a connection, as you say, the, instant, the instant fans that you can have. And, I mean, Amare... I don't think this was an issue at the time. He's probably disqualified himself from the Saudi Basketball League. He probably has. But um, he, he will be beloved in New York for embracing that side of his heritage forever. Yeah. So uh, let's move on. And Gabe, uh, you were on vacation last week. That's right. I was in that place where they had never seen a Jew, as you mentioned, uh, Arizona. Well, I think they have now. Now. Uh, uh, since just- the invention of air conditioning, the Jews have really descended. That's right. Uh, so you were away last week, and luckily you were not consuming the internet as the rest of us do, poisoning our minds on a daily basis. No, I was doing so with golf and uh, a pool. So I'm going to tell you about a little controversy that happened last week uh, that I believe you're unaware of to right now. Um, and I'm going to show you a picture in a second. So I'm going to describe a, a tweet right now. It's from a, a Twitter user named Alex Krautman. Uh, Sounds tribal. It may or may not be. It's the two ends at the end. Oh. Yeah, and Krautman. I, anyways, I think he might be, but that, okay. that's beside the point. Anyways. He a is pic- a German man. That's like, the Krautmann is like a name saying Alex German German. <laughs> he's, an Amer- he's an American for, for all purposes. And he's, from right. Saint, he's from St. Louis. Uh, and he accompanies a picture here. And he says, today I introduced my coworkers to the St. Louis secret of ordering bagels bread sliced. It was a hit. And there's a picture accompanying here. Huh. Of bagels that have been sliced, not the normal way, in half, but uh, as if they were bread. Interesting. Yeah. So, I will also point out his name is Alec Krautman. That's right. Alec with a K. That's a lot less Jewish now. I'd I'd put him in, swing that one over to the no column. Okay. Now, I know some of our listeners are thinking, you know, if I want uh, Jewish culture, there's other podcasts for that. I want the sports take, whatever. 
So let me, one of the biggest replies to the, this tweet that got almost 7,000 likes and 257 retweets is a tweet by Gus Kenworthy, Olympic silver medalist skier. Wow. And his tweet, <laughs> simply put, was, this is anti-Semitism. Wow. Is Gus Kenworthy Jewish? He is not. <laughs> wow. That's so, amazing. Yeah. So this is something I wanted I'm to talk about I think bit. about this. First of all, here's, here's, my, here's my gross <laughs> overall take. You think about it and think about what it means to have your bagel sliced that way. Here's my overall take. We need to stop it with the bagel gatekeeping. All of us. All of us in the Jewish community, New Yorkers, people on the internet, etc. Stop it with the gatekeeping. Now, people dug into it afterwards and found out that this St. Louis slice actually started at a, a little... Uh, a sandwich shop in St. Louis called the uh-huh. St. Louis uh, Bread Company. Okay. Uh, which we all uh, the know. The SLBC. That's right. Which we all knew no better after it was bought and acquired. And its name was changed to Panera. <laughs> so apparently... This Wait, was, is this something you can get at every Panera across America? Apparently it isn't. It's quite common at, at wow. Panera. So uh, back when it was the St. Louis Bread Company and... Uh, have owned, you ever been to a Panera? I actually don't think I have. I don't think I have either. Has any yeah. Jew ever been to a Panera? Alex, our producer, I'm looking at his direction. He's never been to a Panera either. Yeah, well, that's another story. But apparently the people who ran the St. Louis Bread Company were Jews, and this is something they did. They sliced their bagels that way. But regardless, there was a similar controversy uh, last year, you'll recall, when Cynthia Nixon was running for the Democratic primary for the New York governor race. And I can't remember if she was at Zabar's or somewhere else. And she ordered a uh, cinnamon raisin bagel with lux and cream cheese. <laughs> and, and I think, and maybe even capers. But uh, people were upset. And they're like, you simply do not do that on a cinnamon raisin bagel. Right. And this is someone who, you know, is quite a New Yorker. I mean, she was running for governor of the state. She was one of the girls. She was Miranda. I mean, you know, she is sex in the city. She knows how to order a bagel. And the right. idea that, like... You know, someone's bagel order should be uh, chastised. Steve's supposed to be Jewish on Sex in the City? I always assumed so. Or Italian. No, his last name's Brady. Bra- Steve, but he was so Jewish. No, I don't think so. I don't think any of them were canonically Jewish except for uh, Charlotte's husband. Right. Uh, Charlie Runkle. That, uh, not a caricature at all. Yeah, what's his name? It's like Harry Goldberg. Yeah, exactly. Like uh, Sarah Jessica Parker is Jewish in real life, but I don't think she's uh-huh. the only one in Sex in the City. I don't think Carrie Bradshaw's Jewish. Anyways, back to the, to the tweet at hand. So that's my first overall point. <laughs> Bread sliced your bagels. Do whatever you want with them. It doesn't bother me as a Jew. And then... The- How about this? What if we were to bagel slice pieces of bread? You take a slice of bread, you cut out the middle. That sounds fine. Yeah. A thinner slice of bread? Well, no. It's, it's just sort of... You've got your regular slice. Like yeah. a slice of bread. You're, you know, imagine a single talking, slice of bread. Are you talking about like a hoagie cut like on a, a loaf of bread? So that would be great. But no, and eating that like a whole hoagie? No, I'm talking about... I think they call it a toad in the hole. Where you put a fried oh, egg in the middle of bread. Except don't put the toad in the hole. Just eat a regular slice of bread like it is a bagel. No crust. No, you've just made toast worse. Yeah, it's the opposite of a scooped bagel. No, you can't put the hole in bread. The, the hole is for bagels. You can't just put a hole in things arbitrarily. The hole is not a, a hole in anything. The hole, the hole is not like some uh, noble quest for the bagel. Lots of bagels barely have holes. It's just a That's natural right. formation of, of how they're made. Yeah, it's because you just you, you snake out the dough and then you touch it together and then there you go. Okay. Well, feel free to cut out hole, holes in your bread as much as you want. If yeah. you want to relive your, your And not fill bags. it with anything. So, But it's like some people order scoop bagels, they, so it's just the bagel crust. But what do you? how do you create the opposite of that? Yeah, I think you can just eat the interior. You can eat the scooped out part. Yeah, but it doesn't have a bagel just shape. Wants the crust. It's like the uh, the ship of Theseus of the bagel. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Any, anyways, um, 
So my my big overall take was was no more bagel gatekeeping. Let people do what they want. If you want bread, slice it. But I think it's even more interesting that there was someone like Kenworthy, who's not even Jewish, <laughs> who is telling us about how this is anti-Semitism. Now, first of all, only Jews get to define what anti-Semitism is. Uh, there's been a lot of discussion about other people saying what isn't isn't anti-Semitic, and for some reason, Jews seem to be the only group that doesn't get to define what hate against them means. Uh-huh. Uh, but you know what? I really think it's up to Jews. Second of all, do whatever you want with your bagel. Uh, you can, you know, anything short of spreading lard on it, I think, is fine. <laughs> but seriously, I mean, you can go to McDonald's and get a, a bagel, a bacon, egg, and cheese on a bagel, or any bodega in New York and get right. a bagel, a, a bacon, egg, and cheese on a bagel. I don't think that makes it any less of a bagel. It just becomes something else. Enjoy your bagels. Put whatever you want on them. Eat them however you want. Slice them up however you want. So you don't believe it's anti-Semitic? I don't believe it's anti-Semitic, especially given its roots as something that was created by Jewish bakers. Right. Oh, they were they were Jewish? I believe so. Okay. Um, Panera is now owned by a family that has ties to Nazism. Uh, I, I have heard that about Einstein Brothers Bagels as well. It's the same company. <laughs> So they own the bagels. Do you think the bagels were from Einstein Brothers or Panera? Uh, I don't know. I don't remember where the tweet was from. They look like sort of generic, sort of more Gentile-y. So bagels. maybe... They weren't from like a deli kind of thing. So maybe the anti-Semitic part of it isn't the way the bagels are sliced. Maybe Gus Kenwither was referring to the history of Nazi ownership of large bread chains in North America. Maybe. I think it was more like, here's a cheap laugh on... On a joke on, Probably. On, on, on this is anti-Semitic or anything like that. But honestly, I, I've had enough of it. Enjoy your bagel. Enjoy your bagel however you want. The vast, I, I, I'm, I don't have any statistics on this, but if we had to look it up, I bet the number one seller of bagels in the world is Costco. So probably. So like, how would you eat a bagel like that? Do you like spread on that one slice and then eat it like a toast point? Yeah, I think you eat it like, like a, a small a piece of bread. I think you eat it like a small piece of bread and you would put cream cheese on each of those pieces individually. And uh, probably eat it like an open face sandwich. Inefficient. It does seem inefficient. I mean, I'm not going to go do this with my bagels. I do like the uh, standard half slice. Yep. Although you know what else I like? Cut it in thirds. How do you do that? Like horizontally. Oh, so Just you have a slices. middle. Okay, so that middle slice. It's how just, is that yeah. different from the slice of white bread with the hole taken out of the middle? It's different because it's a bagel. It's not a slice of bread. A bread and a bagel have similarities, but they're not the same. Could you make a ba- Could you make a loaf of bread out of bagel material? Is that anti-Semitic? Uh, I think you could make a, you could try, but unless you boiled it first, I think it wouldn't have the texture of a bagel. Right. But yeah. if you did that. Uh, I'm sure it'd be fine. You know, there, there's a lot of like, there, there was a lot of uh, shaming that went around with this bagel tweet last week and like people talking about, uh, you know, stop calling bread bagels because like a lot of like bagels are, are just pre- bread pretty bready with yeah. the bowl cut in the middle. I, I'm less sympathetic to those. And like, I think the bagel's a shape. I also think eating a, a, just a slice of turkey straight out of the fridge is a no-faced sandwich. So my <laughs> definitions are pretty wide on all this. That's good. You're you're the you're the sandwich, uh, like the open-minded sand, sandwich person. That's right. Everything's a sandwich. Yeah, everything's a sandwich. Yeah. Not you're not you don't demand consistent form or anything between bread or anything like that. No. Yeah. You and I and Alex are a sandwich right now. <laughs> and the table is the meat. The podcast. Oh, the podcast. The podcast is the meat. That's the meat. That's it's a me- right. it's a metaphorical sandwich. Absolutely. Okay, so let's get back to sports now that we've talked about this. Gus Kenworthy aside, uh, it occurs to me he's got some a couple of Jewish teammates. Uh, there's the Gold siblings. 
Hannah and Taylor Gold on the sure. snowboarding team doing tricks. Sure. Assume um, they're Jewish. They are Jewish. Okay. They are. Uh, they won some Olympic uh, materials. If any of our listeners know a Hannah Gold who isn't Jewish, we'd also <laughs> love to have her on the podcast to figure out exactly what her parents were thinking. Yeah, there's probably some uh, a good amount of Jewish Winter Olympians we haven't gone into too much depth with. Okay. Uh, hopefully next summer we can have a good spread on Jewish Olympians in the Summer Olympics in Tokyo. Absolutely. Uh Unfortunately, one more Olympic Games out in a part of the world that's going to make it very difficult to watch on TV. Yep. Especially our Jewish athletes. Yeah. I, I actually have a, a cousin by marriage who was a Jewish athlete in the uh, Summer Olympics. Oh, which one? Uh, Josh Binstock. Which Summer a, Olympics? Oh, uh, Rio and London. Wow. Which cousin? Yeah. <laughs> uh, played uh, beach volleyball with Sam Schachter, another Jewish kid from Toronto. Cool. But uh, we'll talk about that another time. Tell cool. their story later. Well, Gabe, last week you were in Arizona, and That's right. I take it you had the chance to hit some golf courses? I did. I did. I played a little golf. And I understand your driver was broken on the plane. It was. Which gave you an opportunity to uh, be involved in the Jewish sport of complaining. <laughs> uh, it's great. Uh, and I get to uh, I, I, uh, engage Jamie, who's uh, professionally involved in the Jewish sport of insurance. Yeah. <laughs> It's not very Jewish. Didn't land as hard. Never mind. Yeah. Um, that said, uh, uh, it was it was fun. I played without a uh, a driver for the first time in my life. Played pretty well. Yeah. Um, that said, uh, we got the Masters coming up. Uh, a couple of uh, Jews on the PGA Tour, including one from Canada. Oh yeah, who's that? Uh, a boy named Ben Silverman. Certainly sounds Jewish. Absolutely. Grew up in uh, Toronto. Played golf in Markham at uh, the Mandarin Country Club with oh, yeah. my father. Sure. Uh, they've played together a couple of times. Wow. The Mandarin Country Club, uh, which is a vast majority uh, Chinese club. Uh, and small handful of Jews belong and played there every week. Came uh, for the food and stayed for the golf. My understanding is they came for the food, and that is not a joke. Yeah. Um, as far as I can tell, it was the best Chinese restaurant in the city. It was wow. spectacular. It's gone now. Unlike the other Mandarin restaurants around the city, which are a very, very cheap buffet, which... And and merely the second best Chinese restaurant in the city of Toronto. You know, I haven't been to one in like 15 years, so I'm not going to speak ill of it. People seem to love it. Uh, they serve what seems to be an all-Canadian buffet these I days. I believe they have a kosher section as well. Wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. I guess it's not an entirely kosher restaurant, but... Mm, can't imagine it is. There are, there are a number of kosher Chinese restaurants in the city. Yeah. Or, or our city, we live in Toronto, but across the country there must be. Yeah. I think in New York there, there are probably kosher Chinese. There's certainly a lot of halal Chinese. And oh, for sure. then it would definitely, almost certainly be kosher as well. Didn't you go to a Uyghur restaurant I recently? went to a Uyghur restaurant recently. I, I assume that's halal. It is. It yeah. was. It was. They did not serve alcohol and that was not kosher with me. So, uh, besides Ben Silverman, who, who are the other Jews on the PGA Tour at the moment? Well, there was a, a notable Jewish uh, golfer uh, who was on the, uh, the PGA Tour for many years. Now he plays on the Champions Tour. However, he is no longer a Jewish golfer. I'm talking about Corey Pavin. Uh, oh, yeah. He, ran the, uh, he was the captain of the Ryder Cup one year, I think. That's right? right. He was raised Jewish, played in the Maccabi Games, won two gold medals for Team USA in golf, and then uh, left the faith. So, as we repeat our, uh, our segment from last week, Jew or Not Jew... I'm curious to discuss, uh, what do you think about an athlete who converts away from Judaism like Corey Pavin? Can we claim him? I think it's a, it's a tough issue. I mean, you know, yes, we can claim him. We can say that he's a Jew. We can say that he's one of us, member of the tribe, certainly birth. And I'm going to assume, you know, Corey probably had the upbringing of some Judaism, maybe competed in Maccabee games, things like that. Uh, converting away... You know, it's not a great look in terms of whether or not we, we want to call this guy a Jew if he's not going to call himself one. 
But uh, I don't know. I don't know how these people would describe themselves. You know, uh, it's interesting. I mean, he, I'm pretty sure, would describe himself as an evangelical Christian, right? And you know, he probably described or himself born again that, and found Jesus and whatnot. It's a tough question. I mean, uh, we can claim him up to a certain point and then no, or just say, just leave it and say, you know, he chose something else and he's not a Jew and that's fine. Uh, wish him well. Uh, you know, but don't want to impugn people who convert away from the faith or into the faith. I mean, people are entitled to do whatever they want. Right. It's a general rule we've got uh, sort of on the pod. We have to figure out who's considered Jewish. I mean, people who convert in Jim Croce. We called him Jewish. A lot of people sure. call him Jewish. He's Italian, and he converted to Judaism. Hey, look at Rod Carew, who's never converted, but is married to a Jew, and uh, yep. I, think he, I think his daughters are raised Jewish. Certainly considered as, you know, if not quite Jewish, then certainly mishpocha of a, of yeah. a certain kind. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I don't I don't think we're in a position to define Pavin or, uh, you know, Paul Goldschmidt's another one who is a good example. born with some Jewish heritage. But His father was Jewish. He's it's a Jewish. According to the American Association of Rabbis, he is a Jewish boy. Sure. But uh, according to him, he's converted away, and he's an evangelical Christian as well. Right, and he. But if if they're that hardcore, is that a bigger rejection than just? Con- I mean, you got Bob Dylan. He converted to evangelical Christian, and then he came back and wrote Infidels. And uh, if uh, uh, Corey Pavin or Paul Goldschmidt wants to do that, they'd be way, way back in my heart. Yeah, I don't know. If Corey Pavin ever writes uh, "Slow Train Coming," then maybe I'll uh, maybe I'll, I'll have to reconsider him. Uh, hey, you gotta serve somebody. Yeah. I really like those uh, Dylan Dylan Goes Christian albums. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're not as good as like early Dylan or even like Desire, uh, <laughs> you know. But like, else, it's his comeback album. Eh, I, it's anything, about Zionism. Yeah. Anything past like 85, I think I'm, I'm good with that. <laughs> no. Like, I know you're a big like Love and Theft fan. Oh, but, yeah. Uh, uh, it doesn't well, really do it for me. Shot of Love, that's, uh, that's one of the Christian ones. It's great. But it... it Going back to Corey Pavin, I think if he wants to go the Dylan route and come back, he'd be welcome with very open arms. We'd all just kind of forget the evangelical period. Um, no doubt, no doubt. But I think that's uh, that's you know something to be left up to him. And I think that's that's sort of where we got to draw the line at some point. As soon as someone says, I'm out, go with God. You know, I mean, that that's up to you. However you want to define yourself, I think I'm, I'm okay with. And, uh, you know, forcing someone or telling someone they're Jewish when they don't say they are is not something I really want to be associated with. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, it's a very good point. I, I one begins to wonder if, uh, you know, if the anti-Semites or or those who would criticize Corey Pavin for being a Jewish athlete or those who would threaten him would care. Well, and if they if they don't, then I or if they do care that he was Jewish and converted away, I, I guess we'd have I, to welcome him. I guess, but I don't think we have to have our standards dictated by uh, those who hate us. You know. Let us dictate our own standards and, and let somebody dictate it for themselves. If they, if they, you know, embrace a different faith, that's fine. And, and they can call themselves whatever they want. That's a, a, a wise thought. Well, hopefully that leaves some uh, food for thought today. I think that's going to wrap it up for this week of Mench Warmers. Uh, thanks for joining us again. I'm Gabe and that's Jamie. Reminder, you can find us, subscribe to us on uh, uh, iTunes or uh, Spotify or if you're out there, whoever the guy using Stitcher is. Uh, the one person using Stitcher, please use Stitcher to subscribe to our podcast. We'd really feel like we made it if we had one person on Stitcher listening to us. Yeah, that's why we'll. That's how we'll find out if someone's on it. For the rest of you uh, normal people using using iTunes or SoundCloud or <laughs> anything else, uh, you know that please please subscribe as well. Uh, if you don't listen, if you don't have a podcast 
podcast uh, app that you're using, please uh, email us and we'll send you a copy on CD. That's right. Uh, we'll burn it on CD and, and give it to you uh, and it'll be transcribed in Yiddish. Yeah. Uh, so you'll really understand. That's right. Uh, and if you really want it and you really want to schnorr a copy from us, let us know and we'll find a way to come to you. Always happy to have everybody's feedback. We're available through the CJN Podcast Network and the CJN website. Leave a comment on our uh, accounts. And we're going to have a Twitter page soon, uh, as soon as I set that up. That's great. Uh, and uh, another thank you to the CJN Podcast Network and Alex, our producer, for sitting with us and uh, smiling and nodding. See you next time.